0: week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 2022. Uh, Guys, this is our first episode of the new year. It's so just thrilling to have a blank slate. Not to be one of those cheesy people who's like, new year, new me. Um, Not my favorite thing to say, but I do think it's just a nice year to refresh ourselves and just get back to the grind, man.
1: I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving this, this energy, this, yeah, <laughs> this, this new 2022 energy that Sea dog is bringing to the you studio. Know,
0: we love it over here. Okay, guys, even though we know it's not the holidays, quote unquote, anymore, it is still in the spirit of new years, new innovations, and so we are ending the favorite thing series with Effie Ballard Johnson, who runs the helm over at the neighborhood Christian centers. And you guys, this, they don't call her the effervescent Effie for nothing. She is so spectacular. Getting to meet her when we did this episode originally was just, I don't want to use the word life changing experience because I feel like there's a lot of cheese associated with that statement, but truly she is just, I can't swear. I was going to say she's a bad A, but she is, she is a just a killer in the game. She does so much. Her hustle knows no bounds. She has side businesses, which I think Popperoo's is her business as well. Um, She does popcorn. She has a popcorn business in Crosstown Concourse. She runs this center. She uplifts and does so much for our community. So much. And that is why when I knew we had to pick an episode, I was like, Effie. Effie is was, my favorite. Even yeah. though hers I knew was very long and we would have to make some edits because... Again, she does a lot, but it is all worth talking about. And it was so hard to quill that down to an hour, AT. It
1: is, it, 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 it was difficult, I'm not going to lie. When you came and you said that that, is the, that yeah. had to be your favorite <laughs> episode, I was like... You're like, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> um, because when it originally aired on June 29th of 2020... Um it is one of our longest episodes to date, Christy. I don't know if you uh, realized I did, that. I did not. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, it, it was a special. <laughs> it was the gift that kept on giving to edit this down um yeah. for airtime today. So, uh the extended cut is almost an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. So we had to cut it down a lot for today. Um but I think we still got a lot of goodness mm-hmm. in there. And it's really exciting because she talks about her twenty fifteen Memphis talk. Do first years last a lifetime? Um, and again, like Christy said, all of her side businesses, her family business, which is mm-hmm. Neighborhood Christian Center, which um, it's just a, a really cool story. So and cool. yeah, I I. I see why it is your favorite Mm -hmm. episode. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit of a Grinch when you told me that this would be the one that we had to play. Um, But I am glad that we get to share it again. We're
0: putting in the work to give it to you guys again. So without further ado, here is Effie. Here with Miss Effie Ballard Johnson. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm super glad to have you today. I was, me and Anna were talking about a little bit in the intro. I've never met you before. So, uh, me listening to your TED talk was kind of my first introduction into you as a person. Mm. And I was just kind of taken aback because you're such a (laughs) magnetic presence um especially on stage which is for people like me it's hard to do because i'm (laughs) petrified effie is most at home (laughs) but like it it was just i was very excited to get to like bring you in and meet you today and um just in kind of looking into who you are as a person you have such an interesting story (laughs) like it We'll get into the first line of that TED Talk later. I'm not going to ruin that right now. But (laughs) I just kind of want in your own words to kind of give us a little bit and share with our listeners a little bit about, you know, who you are and how you got to where you are today.
2: So who I am and how I got here is um, who my long, parents long are. Long, ago. <laughs> yes. The birds and the bees, exactly. Christine. Exactly. So um, if your mom's never shared this with you, i going share with you now. Um, but no, um, my mom and dad's lives, of course, influenced my life, mm-hmm. my actual presence um, on this earth. And so um, my life began living in a home with two parents that had a heart for the community, um, to the point that they brought the community into our home. And um, so from a very from birth, I knew nothing but people and um, serving people, and um, in, in, in some ways creatively responding to needs, um, finding answers and solutions for problems. Um, so that was just kind of who I I was. Uh, my parents never never made us responsible for the work that they created mm-hmm. uh, or, or was were called to do. But we were in the house, so we were responsible to the work that they were doing. Uh, but my mother my mother, and my father also were very intentional about each one of my siblings uh, and my um, talents um, and giftings. And so I was the eldest of all the children. And so my parents—
0: Respect, <laughs> same. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Being the oldest you child, you know, it's just a thing. It's a thing yes. you understand on a different yes. level.
2: It, it's t- totally different. You feel responsible for mm-hmm. everyone. Um and you're you know, you're the practice kid and you're you're trying to make you're sure the you're the trial and error <laughs> kid for sure. <laughs> Making sure you do everything um right or what what seems right. And um so I was that person. I've I've shared these things, I think, more personally with, with Anna, but just my own personal challenges mm-hmm. of being um a perfectionist, um, the anxieties of caring what people think so much. Over the years, you know, just I've matured in, in knowing what is right and I feel what like is you're not speaking
0: good. directly to me in this moment.
2: <laughs> so shall we have a moment? I know. <laughs> like, I'm,
0: like, I'm like, did you come here to personally attack me today? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I would
2: say I'm here to personally lift you up, my Thank- sister. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, but this is not the parents. My parents didn't right. do this to me, but the it's the nature of being the firstborn, mm-hmm. being um you know, wanting to get all these things done to do right or whatever. But anyway, my mom invested and my dad invested in piano lessons, voice lessons. They saw that that I had giftings very early. So I sang when I was uh, around two or three years old. I was singing on, on radio shows. I was singing, um, By the time I was five or six, um, I was on WREG singing when my parents would be on on interviews and things like that. So I was always the opening act. (laughs) So that's kind of been my life. So when people see me now, so many years later, I'll hear people saying, oh, gosh, you're everywhere. You're doing this. You're doing that. I was like, since I can remember, I was always doing and I was always singing and I was always encouraging people prior to someone speaking or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so who I am um, is that. But I'm also entrepreneurial. I mean, my father helped me um, to start my own business. And I was a candy girl in our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we went to Purity Products on on, um, Jackson. And that's where I bought all my drinks and my candy and all that stuff. So anyway, the the person I am is an eclectic uh, combination of various skills and talents that I actually have. Um, That my parents never told me I couldn't do it, and so I've just done them. And so that's kind of who I've become over the years. Yeah,
3: that eclectic collection, I think, is uh, a wonderful way to describe your career, kind of what what you do every day. So we're going to pluck through pieces of it, but I want to (laughs) start Um, as we mentioned in our introduction, you lead the Neighborhood Christian Center. Yes. Tell us, for those listening who do not know, what is this organization? What is your mission? How do you do your work? Yes.
2: Yeah, so Neighborhood Christian Centers also um, began as a, a birth, a outbirth or, or outgrowth of my parents' um, work at the um, doing the services they did to uh, so many children uh, living in our home. Over 75 um, young people lived in our home um, between the ages of 17 and 23. And um, that, that work um, that they did to help, um, I w- we would call them Opportunity Youth now, um, so that work that they did to help those young people to uh, restructure their lives, br- um, take them into uh, opportunities of trade school or, or um, college. Um, began uh, the work that would start the Neighborhood Christian Centers, and wow. so now we, um, since 1978, have been formally uh, an organization to serve uh, our families in need and people in need, and and so our primary mission is to guide those in need towards stability and sustainability through Christ-centered ministries, and empowerment programs. So that's what we do. Um, from a measurement level, mm-hmm. uh, we we have case management. Uh, we also uh, have a significant outreach. Um, and Maslovian service portion to what we do as well. Um, before COVID, we were serving forty to 50,000 people a year wow. uh, with uh, a lot of Maslovian needs. Uh, we Since COVID, it has given us an opportunity to restructure the organization where we're still doing significant outreach as we're being allowed to go back into the mm-hmm. world and do that kind of thing. And we call them sharing events and things like that. Uh, but we are really honed in on focusing on families uh, through a more of a case management formula, um, where we're f- uh, where we have eleven different locations here in the city, uh, six of those are place based or site based locations. They're within sectioning housing developments, which gives us um, an opportunity to have access to nine hundred plus uh, families each day, and over um, t- I guess twenty seven hundred plus. Uh, individuals throughout those properties, and then we have the other locations five that are in independent neighborhoods that we serve people every day. And we serve in three different areas: adult and um, adult and empowerment programs, youth programs that also incorporate empowerment, and then our uh, compassionate services that allows us to do utility assistance, rental assistance, sometimes funeral assistances, um, just when a person is in a situation where an, um, a tangible gift is not going to make the difference, mm-hmm. we have to do something. Uh, more monetary. So that is what we do every day.
0: Wow. I mean, I'm just like, I, it's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm not, I, I honestly, I knew Neighborhood Christian Centers was a thing, yes. Um, but until I knew you were coming on the episode today, I didn't know the breadth of you guys' work. And just to yes. hear you talk about it, how does someone who may need you guys as assistance, how does that process work?
2: And so, like I shared, there's, anyone can reach out to us. If we have it, we will share it. Okay. If we don't have it, we're going to tell you we don't have it because a lot of the things we get for our um, outreach services are given to us. Right. Um, If they want to be a part of case management and I say that more, it sounds very formal, but a a partnership with us coaching them along Mm -hmm. to meet their goals, um, they can request that as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, team members that serve our place-based locations as well as those that serve people that just walk in and and need to help meet a goal you know, over the next year yeah. help find a job whatever's going on we can we kind of respond to whatever people's needs are um, as we have grown um, just with anyone else growing pains are mm-hmm. you know we used to get <laughs> everything to everybody and now we've had to be more specific yeah. in some areas so sometimes there might be things that we used to could do for everybody that we can't do anymore. Uh, but we want to be very honest and open with people so they know what we can do for them.
0: I think that's the biggest piece of that puzzle, right? Like leading with that transparency right? is the, because if, as long as you're honest with people, it tends to be like, yes, we used to could do this thing, but now we're trying to do more right. of this concise mm-hmm. thing. So we can't do that anymore. Right. And
2: that's been challenging for me. I've been president and CEO since 2008. Our organization is 44 years old mm-hmm. this year. And so those first 30 plus years, um, um, were so, well, yeah, 30 years were so different than what I know knew we have to, to morph into or uh, the paradigm shift that we were experiencing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, even our staff at one time was like, are we still doing outreach? We, well, we're having to, we had to stop and learn mm-hmm. what, how do we create a baseline out of all the people we're serving so people don't feel like they're not being included, but how do we help to invite or let people choose to work with us on a more on a deeper level by their choosing um, while we're still serving those that maybe don't know what they need yet are not ready to do the things that are necessary to be sustainable or self-sustaining and so um, these are very challenging um, tactics we had to put together as a team uh, and then we had to uh, make sure that everybody in the organization bought into that and that that kind of correlates with um, what I spoke about that got, brought me here today um, in my presentation, because um, we we talk about lives change. When whatever time you can intersect with a person, uh, things can improve uh, the earlier stages we can work with a family, especially at mm. birth and beyond and, and early early childhood is the most uh, the most opportune time. But um w- Anyone that's willing and wants to change, we can we can come alongside and support them in that. The problem is it takes seven to ten years. And gosh, some of us are drinking coffee and trying to get off caffeine and we can't hardly do that. <laughs> so imagine living in a state of um, poverty or right. a state of um, under-resourced, uh, under-resourced state of um, living. And uh, now we're saying, you know, you should be working. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we work, then this is then you have you own that, and that's that's something you can build on. and And so these are challenging uh, things to work through with the systemic uh, and a my the systemic issues, and then the mindset of yeah. people that have never had to do anything different.
3: No, I think that's you know, obviously there are many great organizations in our city who are yes, working are. on issues of you know workforce development. That's and right. Poverty abatement. What I love about your organization is it it's not ignoring the systemic level of, of 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 this, you know, of these problems, but you're you're approaching it on such a human and like community level mm-hmm. that is truly it feels like um, in the same way that you would go to your family or your immediate community, this, your mm-hmm. church community, whatever it might be to say, like, I need help. I need support. I need like mm-hmm. love and guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you're doing that at like a macro scale for right. these neighborhoods. And I think that's really beautiful. And sometimes when we talk about our city's issues, we get really mired down in in the systems and, and we need to fix them. So right. like, I'm that's glad right. we have people here doing that. But it's so that's beautiful right. to have somebody who's like, I'm I'm here to take care of this this individual. Right. Um so And I this just-
2: is hard. This is not easy work. Um, people that are listening that may be a part of our funding stream, they understand this, those that may be interested in funding. Um, (laughs) But um, this is not, you know, when you're talking about metrics and you're talking about outcomes and you're speaking about human beings in relationship to that, I'm always baffled by how people say, oh, we're going to do this by tomorrow with this group of people. And I'm like, I don't know what people y'all talking about. (laughs) Because if you talk about people, there's my people, me. Like, just talk about me. I can't change, <laughs> well, just human people. Yes. And so, when you're talking about um, changing a habit, changing a generation of multiple generations of a way of life, um, you have so many things that con- that are contributing factors to you being you. If you're a, if you're a mother with a husband or or a mate mm-hmm. or someone that's helping you raise their child. And you you know, people say, Oh, she does so well as a mom and and, and that baby is just doing so well. And 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 how does she work and do other cause you got to. Yeah. You know, so so what's so when we when people say neighborhood Christian is doing so many things we're not doing so many things. We're being a surrogate family uh, to that person. And they're That's not a just neighboring Christians. There's a lot of other people out there doing good work in the communities that we're a part of as well. So it takes the village as well. Mm-hmm. But with what we're doing specifically, our staff is constantly reiterated to that we don't get lost in people telling us we're doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. No, we're doing normal things that are responses to how a person matures through life. So if I'm raising my two boys, which I am doing, they're on, they're an adult stage of being um, partnered with now through their, their final, my one just graduated from college in mechanical engineering. One um, is in second year of um, University of Memphis and he's working in a bank and doing so well and on his way, well to being a great businessman. But guess what? I had to have them cheering. Okay. <laughs> and before they got to this right here, Honey, I was stressed out yeah. sometimes. Like, oh Lord, I got to, I I got to nurse them, and then I had to, you know, observe their little behaviors. And one likes to sing like I do, and one likes to. Uh, math, which I don't understand where that came (laughs) from. That's the engineer, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he's very concrete and very specific. And I had to monitor that and watch that. And and my husband was like, what are we doing here with these? And we'd have to listen to them all the way to school (laughs) tell us their ideas about what they were going to do when they were four and five and six. And we was like, that's great. Yeah, we're listening. And they went to PDS and we lived in Raleigh. And we determined that they were going to go to the schools that we could, you know, we would eat sardines, peanut butter, crackers, whatever I had to do. And my baby was gonna go to school and get the best opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well guess what? We had to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And and we still had to go to neighborhood Christian Center and work. My husband still had to go to the job. And then my children had to go to basketball afterwards and and softball on Saturdays and eat
3: (laughs) I was going to say you have to keep them alive I know and
2: then then they have to be the room mom and then you know all this stuff and and I'm just saying guess what and I still had to go to work Mm -hmm. and I still had to pray with people they wanted that I still had to you know hang out sometimes and do things I'd love doing I know I'm just talking talking talking, but I'm just saying guess what this is talk radio this is what it's for this is what we do (laughs) girls I feel like I'm Saturday Live y'all remember that episode hi Hi. (laughs) I'm Effie. <laughs> but anyway, so you got all this, you know, going on and people still have to move forward and all the other things that are required in your life while you're doing this. Well, if you're missing that part, and Neighborhood Christian Centers is one of the organizations in Memphis says, we're going to help you with those, mm-hmm. some of those gaps in your, in, that you don't even know you have, we have to do that right alongside them like we were doing when I was putting my kid in the car and letting them talk about what all they were going to do in their whole life in, w- in one hour while we were getting to work, <laughs> get <getting laughs> to school. And, you know, don't forget your lunch. And all those things, we're doing the same things for children and families in the same way. You need a piano lesson, baby? You get, we'll help you do that. You need you want to get a certificate in this? We, we got to help you do that. You want to get your hair license? That's what we got to do. It's the same thing. Yeah, hmm. well, It's with, just hard. Yeah, like when your brain <laughs>
0: is in that mode of just getting day to day to day and especially in terms of poverty that's a Mm -hmm. whole different
2: different. like uh
0: but when your brain is just in that survival mode right you You don't have
2: time to think about you don't have
0: time to think and Mm -hmm. i think that's something that's so wonderful to hear you speak about is you guys are really like you said filling that void so Mm -hmm. you're not only helping them with things like bills like Mm -hmm. rent Mm -hmm. where that where you can step in you're helping fill the blanks of things as simple as a music lesson so that parent that's what they want to do right because sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't have the some parents don't have the luxury to think about putting their kids through the things they want to do. First of all, we ain't got
2: no money talking about no piano lessons. Right. Okay. <laughs> you're talking about I'm trying to eat. Yeah. All right. Trying to pay my rent. And you're talking about. It's need you know, focus. And so, But guess what? If we don't focus on people, and, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, piano lessons, but, but it might be sports. It might right. be whatever it is. Whatever it is that a child wants to do whatever stage or whatever economic level or or background they are from, they deserve that opportunity, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. Because one day, they're going to be 18. They're going to be 21. They're going to be 22. And those moments are going to be missed. And when I think about my children, I think about my children, and then I think about that these other children are mine too. They're our children. And if we don't invest that same time that I was invested in my kids, I had to help invest in other people because they were living in the same timeline path as my children. And when I could tell you we have 40 kids that graduated from high school in the past four years and are graduating from high school, or trade school, uh, in this next three months, three-year three cycle with my son's group that he graduated from college five or six others graduated from college in this same oh, path and they went to different schools. I feel good about that. Yeah. Because if it's just my kid, it's I'm not doing it right. And so that's where Neighborhood Christian Centers is. We're about families. We're about how are we helping those we can help. I wish it could be 450 that we could help. Yeah. But those 40 we can influence baby, a year. Baby steps are still steps in That's the right, right. And those 40 kids are getting scholarships and they're going to college. And then we have Uh, 53 students this year that are in our case management side that that are matriculating through from um, sixth, fifth grade to sixth grade and seventh grade. So we'll have these middle school kids and we track those children all the way through to career. And so and that happens every year. You get a new cycle, a new set of children, and you have to keep an eye on all of that. So uh, this is a lot of work, but we have to support mamas and daddies and aunties and grandmamas that have not seen it or or want it and they want it for their children just like I want it for my children yeah. but when you have to make choices between food and rent that's not a choice those both of those things are equal you right. need the rent you need pay your like you you need both of them you know so how can we help lift a burden how can we help encourage a sister or brother in our community that doesn't come from the same space I come from, but lives with the same des- dreams and desires that I have and and helps somebody to have those opportunities. And that's what Neighborhood Christian is about.
0: I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> like, I, you're so passionate when you talk about the work and you can tell, uh-huh. it's not like a, yes, you're a leader of the org, but it's not just that. That's the passion. You can tell that it's really, <laughs> your heart is that mission. Yes, And I think, yes, part of that is that your parents ingrained this in you, right? But you had to keep this, like you had yes. to keep this going on. So as like a big family person myself, seeing your parents in those leadership roles in terms of the work that you guys are doing, like that you have such a heart for. Yes. What What did you see that you have kept with you the most in terms of like leadership from like observing from your mom or your dad? Well, I
2: first have to say that I was not a great leader at the beginning of this process. <laughs> I
0: love, I, I love that honesty. First, I though. didn't say that.
2: <laughs> there are many people that work for me. It's like, baby, you need to work on we that. We love accountability around here. <laughs> baby, don't let her become president yet, because she do not know what she's doing. And I'm like, you're right. And I was trying to be on Broadway, not 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 work work down the street off of Broad Street. <laughs> but but um, God had a plan. Uh, but. So I watched my parents um, work hard, so I felt like that was the most important thing. Because whether a person was there or not, the work, the mission continued on. And um, we, I learned to fill in blanks, fill in spaces wherever needed. You do what you have to do. And then as we've been blessed to have more staff, and I don't have to do certain things, doesn't mean that I don't want to part- continue to participate. So I saw my parents never such a, in a high tower that they could never be a part of what was happening right there in the midst, in the midst of. And so I like being in the midst of. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, my father was a man of true integrity. My mother as well, a woman of integrity. But he had no problem bringing people along and saying, let's get up under this house and fix these pipes or whatever. And then he had no problem telling you like it was. Yeah. Now, baby, you're going to work today. We're going to let you go home. You know, that, that kind of thing. That's the way he was. And so I'm kind of that girl. Uh, in some ways, not this. <laughs> he was pretty, pretty rugged. i was just straightforward. He was a little too straightforward, but yeah. I was like, oh damn! You can't say all that. Can't do this. It's the 21st century now. Can't do that." And God bless him. He's he passed on in 2008, but he was he was very much influence of me. Not second guessing myself as much. I, like I said, I'm a recovering apologist. And
0: <laughs> i like, and I
2: mean apologist like in apologizing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it just always like I'm, always sorry. Saying, I'm and, sorry. for everything. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and my brother said, "Why do you apologize for stuff you ain't even doing?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just trying, you know, trying it's just to make sure to say. everybody love me." You know, I'm like, <laughs> "Everybody ain't gonna love you, girl. Just do what you got to do." So I learned that from my father and, and my mother. I call her the true OG. My mother was uh, given away at uh, early age before, uh, like six, seven months, six or seven weeks of age, and I uh, was raised by great people, but never was raised by her mom and and dad and. Um, she she moved through life having to make some decisions on her own and and make really quality decisions, um, but my mother was not a jokester. Uh, I, I get that more from my dad. So she has a humor side, but my mom, ooh, she's serious, baby. She's gonna do what she gonna do what she <laughs> gotta do. And so my mom taught me not to play, and be strategic, and stick to it. Both of them taught me about sticking to it. So if, if I learn anything, it would be those things being, you know, work at having integrity, work at being transparent, stick to the work. Um, if, if, if no one's doing it, you still, found, you still find yourself doing it. And most of all, and I'll never forget, my father said this upon his deathbed. He said, know your business. He said, you got to know your business and you got to love people. And we were writing out our, our value system. He said, well, now all of this is good, but where's the love? Hmm. And this was a man. This was a man's man that could lift big refrigerators and move them and all this kind of stuff and and couches and you know. And then he was like, he was the most. I cry all the time because my dad was a cry. Not my mama. <laughs> my mom watched the football games, the hockey, you know. And my dad and I watching Star Trek. And <laughs> <laughs> Weeping in the next room. Yeah, you know, like oh, this is so awesome. We love him, you know. So that that that's my dad, you know. Yeah. So uh but anyway, so that's I, I guess I got great things for both of them yeah and they've and they' worked through me and um but but like I said in the early stages I, w- I went through a 14-year succession plan uh with my mom uh, to become president of the and organization. I was like we
3: should say just for for context right your mother was running the organization before, before me she- yes. yeah
2: so in nineteen seven nineteen seventy-eight, 1970, 1978 she was the first official leader of the organization she did that for 30 almost 31 years and then I became president and CEO in 2008. My father worked as our COO. He taught school for thirty-one years, and then he came over twenty-five years. Uh, he spent after he after he retired from the school system of thirty-one years, and, and gave the rest of his life doing the work at the neighborhood of Center. And he passed away, leaving the office. We took him to the hospital. He never returned. So mm-hmm. he worked. He worked all the way till God called yeah. him home. So that was the kind. And that's where I'm. That's where I am. Um, is that I don't retire from this. Things shift a little you age, you remember arthritis get to, but can't do all the things it used to, but I'm committed to doing the work that I can do and, and being a thought leader in those areas because he taught us so much. He was laying in his bed. We actually um, Fleming and associates designed our building and, um and they designed a suite that would allow us to have a bedroom for my father. Cause he would, he had had cancer about four years at wow. this time. And he lived maybe three or four years after that. And, um and, and we, he would, he was fine for a while. Then sometimes he'd have to go lay down after chemo, whatever. And people would go back to that. It was an open space where they could go to the room where he'd be laying up in the bed, giving directions and signing off on things and, and telling them, having team meetings. It, it, this is stuff I saw. People, wow. you know. So you talk about commitment. Yeah. Commitment, leading by example. Leading by example. That's what he, he did. My mother to this day. Uh her arth- her arthritis is pretty bad. As she gets out of that car, when well, she came and worked to work every day uh during COVID and sat in her car and worked from from her car. We were on wow. the Today show about uh well in November. Yeah. And um and uh they, they have her on the Today show showing her in her, <laughs> in her car, car, talking on the phone to somebody, child. And uh and so she, you know, she helps our case management team, still supports and advises them about how to do that kind of work. And so I You say what's influenced me. That's what has. Um, Did I do it all the way they've done it or they did it? At the beginning, no, I didn't. I I. I think that's, that's I how it should be, though. I, I I knew there were things that had to be changed as the, as the world is changing. But at my early stages, honey, I'd stand in front of a staff meeting and say, come on, guys, we got to do this. No, we can't do this. And I'm crying. The folks looking like, this is so pitiful, Lord <laughs> Jesus. And I'm crying. We got to do it, people, you know. And so literally, I had to learn that, okay, maybe I shouldn't have too many tears when I'm talking about, you know, logistics <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, it was just, I was, <laughs> I was... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do this
0: for the rest of my life. Look, you know? the, I think that's a wonderful thing, though, because, like, as a leadership organization at New Memphis, I think it's just you are a testament to that. Like, leadership is a process. It's, a process. it's not something that happens overnight. No. Like, you have to take it upon yourself to – You you were so fortunate to have those examples that yes. led you and that you also are now leading yeah, yes. examples for yeah. people. Yeah. But, like – You have to have those people that you look up to that can guide you. You have to have, if it's a class, you have to also take a certain ownership oh yes of your development yeah.
2: right well New Memphis Institute at the time was Leadership Academy mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the early classes in that um, I wouldn't say early because y'all been around for a while but I was back in the day uh, <laughs> and then um, I had another um, supportive or another collaborative organization that was a part of as well and I did I did every leadership yeah, thing that was right. in Memphis let's just say that okay all the leadership they programs they could lead you if was there I, I have done them <laughs> <laughs> and if y'all got some more let me know yeah. I will come to those. so uh, but anyway, I I went through all the leadership and leadership academy was my first, and um and I think that all of them that I participated in have been very good for me. But what was unique about New Memphis Institute now is I don't know if you still do this, but there you had a uh, we we did the Myers Briggs, and then there was a time I think I did the executive level. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when um we were at the Peabody Hotel it was really nice mm-hmm. and I never stayed there before so thank you guys that, that opened my <laughs> life to a new, a new world and um, but anyway there was a uh, I, I don't want to say psychologist but there was someone like that that mm-hmm. came and helped one on one in our rooms uh, and, and worked us through our our areas of growth growth areas and I never have forgotten that and yeah. uh, and there were some moments I really had some tears for real I was like oh well. <laughs> Oh, I've got to work on this, and it was like, and and my my everyone else was like, um, you know, you have the 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 median level, and so you can be above it or over it. So everything I was was what I was, but all on the top of the line. Like
0: (laughs) you're at the far end. shocking. I I know you can't
2: believe it. I was like, everything I was was the extreme, and um, and so I was, and I started appreciating that that's okay. Yes, that I could be at the I could be on that level. Just function with excellence, where at a level, whatever level you're on. Use
3: your gifts. <laughs> Use well, your this gift. is a good transition because I think, um, so you, what I would call your day job, although like in these days, you know, I know you're <laughs> Love doing your my work year-round, but I know, <laughs> 24 you know hour thinking dime. about <laughs> investing in other people and developing others. Yes, I will say, I mean, Effie, as we've uh, insinuated, has a number of, of irons in the fire, in addition to being a singer-songwriter and a performer. um, she is the founder of uh, Popperoo's Popcorn, and Paparoo's, which yeah. is uh, a personal fave. Um, but I, I know you have a new, uh, you know, in the uh, pantheon of your entrepreneurial endeavors, you have a new project that I think is really interesting and sure. it t- t- takes – everything you've just been talking about and kind of distills it into something that somebody can access and benefit yes. from. So tell us a little bit about this
2: project. Well, Hustlenomics, I believe what you're alluding to. nomics.
0: <laughs> yes. First of all, can we just take a moment to appreciate that name? <laughs> <laughs>
2: like... Yes, it is actually my, the name of something that I get to own, trademark. But, I love it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Hustlenomics came about because I would hear so many people telling me. They knew me from so many different, like some people would see me singing somewhere like, all of a sudden say, I thought you were the popcorn lady. Or they'd see me <laughs> selling popcorn and say, like
0: My hustle knows I no bounds. You, that's right.
2: <laughs> I thought you you sang at hope or whatever, you know. And then they'll see me, you know, singing or or doing popcorn. No, I'm sorry, they'll see me doing the neighborhood Christian Center. And they'll say, I thought you, you know.
3: <laughs> I thought and you were I, that <laughs> singing popcorn <exactly>. lady. <laughs> <laughs> I thought
2: that's what you did. And then I also, you know, do speaking engagements and consulting work. And so it throws people off because I'll I'll talk about metrics or outcomes or yeah. you know baselines and things like that and they'll be like, but I thought you did pop going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while I said, no nah, baby, it's just a hustle and you got to have multiple streams of income streams of income. I don't care who you are, and if you look at those that have means great level of means, they are not getting their dollars or maintaining that worth from one one stream, and. No matter what level you're on, you, you, you can appreciate that and have to know where can I function and still do that, Where there's two streams or more, but never one. Because what is the old adage? Don't put all your eggs into one, one basket. basket. And it's not that you can't be in this New Memphis Institute basket only, and, but you should have other things that are helping, You know, that you're using your other giftings as you're doing this, because anything can happen. And so I learned that from my parents as well. Uh, my father did welding. He was a teacher. He did welding in the in the summer, we all helped him cut grass, and cut trees. My mother was selling cars and report you know telling people go get a car over here cuz she'd get a $100 gift card. Whatever she was doing. <laughs> she just did hustle baby. Yeah. And so I start people said, "Oh, you're a hustler." I was like, I, "I guess I am." And then I said, you know, Then I continue to grow that into a brand of Hustlenomics. and then I the definition of hustle nomics in regards to the hustle opposed to the entrepreneur <laughs> is that I would call it the 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 pre the pre entree or the entree into being a true entrepreneur. Hmm. And a hustle a hustle and I probably have advanced from that now. Some people call me a, um, what do they call me a, I can't remember, some, there's so many names. But anyway, uh, <laughs> like, oh gosh, it'll come Cereal, to you later. a serial entrepreneur see, or something that, like, that. like that. But yeah. I was like, nah, baby, I'm a mogul now. You know, but anyway, <laughs> I'm speaking it as though it is already, but Look, it's going to get you there. to <laughs> manifest it's gotta it. has got to manifest it. I'm a mogul, you know. But a hustler, sure, is a person who can't necessarily get funding. You can't go get a loan from a bank. But mm-hmm. you have a, a gift or talent that can create, um, Money, um, small dollars, small um, small um, uh, streams, including doing another job. So hustling doesn't mean that you have to create the work. It means you've learned how to do multiple things and still do your main work well. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do all of them well, don't do don't do them because you're the person paying you your real money. You still got to do that job, and so that's where hustle hustlenomics comes from. Is that if you're hustling. People got to know you as doing quality work in all of those areas. And then those dollars over a period of time began to give you the foundation for you building your business and then hopefully attaining credit and and doing all the things you need to do to to run a, a viable company. And so that is what happened for me. Starting off, you know, Candy Girl and then moving on from there to um, I had a store called Everything, T-H-A-N-G, and I sold everything. (laughs) It was right here on Main Street. It was a little glass building. One man, he was selling art on one side and I had my store on the other side and we sold purses, earrings, tuna fish, whatever. I'm just making that up. But we sold whatever. (laughs) A little bit of everything. Whatever people wanted. That was like, we sell that too. We sell that too. You know, and I had me one little employee and I was in college. And so um, I was hustling. And we got, and that that just kept building me on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, and then I wanted my children to see how things start from scratch mm-hmm. because they only have known neighborhood Christian centers in the state it pretty much is in now. Um, they've only known me. Um, I braided hair for many, many years. Uh, they've only known those things about me, and they were established because anything I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it well. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have many, many people coming to it if I'm gonna <laughs> be involved. And so that's what they think. They just think that's normal. And I was like, that's not normal. And so uh, in 2014, I started Paparoos or Touchstone Enterprises, which is an umbrella for Paparoos. And, um, and we started with vending popcorn. And, honey, I ain't know how to pop no popcorn. I found somebody in a whole other state. I was like, can y'all <laughs> send us popcorn we can sell? The problem with that nobody knew who I was. Right. So the popcorn was going stale. I'd had to buy more. I was like, I ain't making no money. I can't be, keep buying popcorn. Then we had a wonderful company in Memphis that started helping us a little bit, but it was the same issue. And it forced me. And nobody's going to teach you how to do. W- one thing about hustling is as you grow and become an entrepreneur, in order for you to do certain things, you're going to have to learn to do it on your own. No one is going Gotta to take tell initiative. you. They're not going to tell you because you competition. So why am mm. going to tell you how to do what I do? And so I had to go on YouTubes and research wow. and do all the things and burn my arms up and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> literally. Because uh, let me tell you, caramel popcorn, if it gets it's dangerous on your, uh it's like molten lava on your skin <laughs> if it falls and you think you're gonna blow it off oh it doesn't blow off just let you know that for first you're just experience. cooling it down at that Ooh, point baby, it's like this is gonna hurt uh but anyway so I had to learn all those things and it probably took me four about three or four years to learn it and perfect it and then um began to to do the work that I'm doing now and I'm so thankful for the those that are are you know resurging from COVID and and using yeah. paparoos and we need y'all's business so i can keep on paying people praise god but um but that's that's the hustle of true peace. so so now i have a Hustlenomics, um hopefully um um i would call it podcast but there's going to be a little uh the airing of my like a i guess what you call a podcast i don't know where like, are you like webisodes it's, type of uh, thing? so lipscom and pits where um where um jeremy park is helping mm-hmm. me produce oh, yeah. those. Right. so so uh, there he's putting my stuff out there and so yeah. i'm i'm um Doing those, uh, we're getting ready, right, we're working on them now, and they'll be released to just kind of encourage people in the different areas. Right. And it will talk, it talks about the different highs and lows of hustling or, or building a business. It's not just, you know, what you see. It's like when I leave here, I have to go fix some stuff. I got to go make sure payroll is right. Mm-hmm. I got to do this. And I got to do that while I'm doing my ministry work. And, I, and while I got to learn a song, I got to go sing, whatever it is. Hustling is all of that. and get, And sometimes it gets tough. But you better not forget to pay them sales taxes on the (laughs) 20s. I think.
0: think (laughs) Not in Texas. Yes. And I think that the cool thing is, too, like with everything you just said, right, you're putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable way. It's very vulnerable. And not everyone's going to be so lucky to be successful every time, right? Like sometimes you are going to fail. But I think if you view that failure as a learning experience, even though it'll be hard, um, I think that is something people will be able to take and then when you launch these with city current um yes. it, i think they call them i'm not sure their name for them it's like web episodes they do kind of like a online it's, visual it's, component plus a visual piece yes it. and yeah. so like i think as you do those episodes i think it'll be very interesting to see you apply your gifts Yes. in that light
2: yeah you might have to come tutor me on some of this application <laughs> uh, you, you sound like you know more what you talking about than I do um, I will
0: happily <laughs> tutor you this, okay. this is your I side hustle now I, so that's you. your
2: side, I have created you a side hustle I love the side hustle that's right about. oh, oh. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> look
3: I learned, I learned it from you. Uh, You're you'll, right. you'll talk You're to great Effie student. for one hour and you'll go, <laughs> I got
0: to diversify my stuff. income streams. And it's like, that's if I have right. to pay Christy, Effie has to pay Christy. <laughs> exactly. And I shall.
2: And I shall. Because uh, you know what? If you could, if you have room to do it, and I, I'm from a faith perspective, God's going to give you the opportunity to do do people right as well. Don't do something and expect people to pay you. And you ain't willing to pay nobody mm. else. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing is that, you know, if if you can't pay certain things on time, especially with COVID and I mean and, you know, the pandemic and all that, you know, have relationships with people so they're hey, can I pay this on time? Can I pay this? And know that you're good for, hey, by the time this year up, I'm going to be through with all of this. Let people know that you could be counted on and that you deserve to be paid. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was a challenge for me because I was like, oh, I just give it to you. And then I'm up here trying to figure out how to <laughs> pay something. You know, yeah. you ain't got to charge out the wazoo. Yeah. But you need to, you know, and that's one another thing. I tr- tr- I've got another girl that's in my um, I guess it's my hustle nomics um your, s- group. I don't know what your to call tutelage. It. My tutelage, yeah, under my coaching. <laughs> we gotta give it a name. Yeah. You know, I don't it know. Yeah, it
0: needs a funner name than that. Yeah, it needs a
2: funner name than that. But anyway, I was just sharing with her. She was like, I think I'm gonna put my stuff in the closet and just not you know, call it a day. I was like, no, you will not. Just because you're doing this don't mean you can't do that. Let's creatively think about it. And why are you doing it? Don't charge $45 for that product. Charge five dollars, seven dollars, eight dollars. Try to think about the state of being that people are in right now, and don't overcharge. Trying to make so much money mm-hmm. that you don't sell enough product, wholesale it out, sell sell more, bulk it. You know, sell more product at a lesser price at a, at a quality product. Anyway, that's not the lesson for today. Yes. But I'm just saying
3: <laughs> that, you, that's a little freebie for everybody. That's right. Hey. Hustle,
2: Yeah, don't you don't have to have all the money. Just do better than you were doing, and <laughs> let it keep on growing guys
0: Effie is here just like dropping all the knowledge she's for holding you. court and
2: we're we're just yeah
0: I'm <laughs> taking notes I know but like we brought her here that today was... to talk about all of these wonderful things but also she gave a TED talk guys which I've already like hit on at the beginning of this episode and so we're gonna go ahead like Effie Yay. has teed you up you know all about her and her wonderful work and so we're just gonna go ahead and dive right into her TEDx Memphis talk do first years last a lifetime
2: I am one of 79 children, raised by my mother and father, and needless to say, transporting us was no small feat. Honestly, I did not realize that riding a mobile home was not normal for most families until I was 19 years old. (laughs) Honey, we was in that camp, honey, going everywhere. (laughs) As a child, I never had to guess what my mom or dad were thinking. My father was one that taught All the time. I mean, everything was a lesson. This man had instruction steps one through five on how to tear saran wrap. We had classes on everything from raking leaves to folding towels and how to hang the hanger the right side. I'm like, gosh, is it that serious? (laughs) Now, we were a church-going family, but as a little girl, we didn't have a children's church or nursery. So that meant when you came to church, everyone was expected to sit well In service. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whether you were a newborn, a toddler, or a preteen, by and by, oh, when the morning comes, when all all the saints of God are gathered home, we... I was hoping you were going to feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable, because my point was, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, that was exactly how we felt when my mom was staring at us if we was acting up in church. You know what I'm saying? That look, whether she was in mid-sentence, mid-prayer, or mid-song, that stare was all we needed to get our little selves back in order. But what if your life was all but orderly? What if your start was all but orderly? One in five of our city's children go to bed hungry every night with only 33% of our children kindergarten ready. And across our country, nearly half of all babies born each year are born in poverty. Living a life that starts from day one in poverty lends itself to constantly, constantly being in crisis mode. Where I work, it's not uncommon for a mom along with her newborn to to make us her first stop on their way home from the hospital to pick up diapers or other necessities. So here is poverty. Overshadowing that baby before he or she ever makes it home for the first time. One message we constantly communicate to those we serve is that properly touching, talking, reading and playing with your child is the key to their first critical years of development because I firmly believe that our first years do last a lifetime or 20 years to life. Science tells us that the first three years of life are crucial in the development of the human brain, the child's brain. And while I'm no scientist, I know the brain has billions of neurons firing. And those neurons form trillions of synapses. I know that early early brain development is built upon stimulus and response model, and that 80% of the volume of a brain is formed by the time a child is three years old. It has also been proven that brain development is highly influenced by one's environment. Understanding that positive events reinforce positive wiring and negative events have the opposite effect. This wiring influences cognitive, social, and emotional development. Now maybe some of you already know about brain development, but I did not understand the importance. I just kind of thought kids automatically should be valued, productive, morally centered, and basically happy because that's the way I was raised in the camp or in, you know, everywhere else we were. <laughs> but for some, it's not that simple. What may seem as a simple act for some may be a great feat to others. Believing that a child is a child and they'll just turn out fine because when they get to kindergarten, they'll take care of it. Often saying the school is, will, will be the place that it'll get taken care of. Often saying things like, I have other children. I've got to keep a roof over everybody's head. Food's got to be put on the table. And that takes up every day, all of my day. And I ain't got time to think about nothing else. Ain't nobody got time for that. Now, it may seem cliche, but this is a harsh reality. That we who serve the poor and underserved encounter every day. Helping folks is hard. And while I can do this for a minute, I have to say, today I'm thinking about, folks, we've got to help. And I don't have an answer. It's messy. And sometimes in each case, every case is tougher and tougher than the one that comes next. The one that came before is hard. Then the next. And then the next. And sometimes all you can do is pray for help to figure it out because you can't create a program for everything. The good news is that negative experiences can be rerouted and correction can take place. I personally lived in a home where my biological siblings and I were raised along 75 other siblings with no government assistance and my parents didn't have much money. Some came because they were seeking guidance, support, or needed a different environment. Others had lost their parents. And then we had those that were there because of alcohol abuse, drug abuse, um, neglect, and and the list goes on and on. Whatever the situation, my parents made a decision to invest not only their, their resources, but they gave their time and to help wherever they could. I personally witnessed my my siblings experience compassion and nurture that sometimes um, they had never experienced before, some exhibiting a tough shell because of the resilience needed for them to survive on the streets or fend for themselves in their own home. Imagine finding yourself responsible for three other siblings because your mom has checked out of life and you're only five years old. It sounds unreal, but it's true. What in the world do you do with the anger and the lack of connection? Because your first years were hijacked, and all you know is if I'm hungry, I'm gonna steal it. But over time, The negative turned into positive, and those with significant challenges experienced a rebirth of sorts, where the resilience combined with intentional parenting redirected the trajectory, unfolding new and life-giving possibilities. The sad, sometimes horrible memories were still there, but for the first time, they could truly experience a positive life. Of those who experienced the most challenges, total recovery was not a reality because their early years had affected them so much, so negatively. They may have experienced an improved life, but it was not a correction course. It was already too late. This is not a race problem. This is a human problem. And our society, our America, is only as strong as the life that has the greatest need. I have sisters and brothers all over the United States who live productive lives now. But to see that reality took me 47 years (laughs) and counting. Hallelujah. (laughs) Time is precious. It's a commodity. And in the plight to help young lives thrive, we have to do more than just give it to somebody else to do. I love working with youth, and every summer, um, I love introducing them to new people, new ideas, productions, and things like that, and, um, and they love playing tricks on me because I'm an easy target. Anybody know what this is, right? Here? I'm getting all them nicks when I get up out of here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sharing your time, sharing your life is key to helping our children have a better chance to live their best life. What are you willing to do to help turn our failing communities around? Remember, every moment counts because our first years do last a lifetime. Thank you.
0: All right, guys, you just heard Effie's TED talk, do first years last a lifetime. And (sighs) we've had all this time with you already, (laughs) but also like, I'd, as I've already talked about, like, my first experience hearing you speak was watching your TED Talk. And the first thing out of your mouth is that I am one of 79 children. <laughs> yes. And I, 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 pause, I was like. I was just trying to do math Yeah, right now. I was like, I, like ha- how? And then. <laughs> your mama started having babies, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how many? Whatever. But no, like, as you listen to your TED Talk, you know, you immediately get our attention with yes. just that statement. And yes. then also your are I know I've already talked about you being so magnetic, but like your presence on stage, you could just tell that you were there to bring a message and you were just so present. So have you always been such a dynamic speaker?
2: You know, I, I, I didn't know if I was even then. So there you go. <laughs> um, I have grown into myself. Um, when I look back at the girl that I was, um, I have a lisp. Um, I, work, I work very hard to speak um uh, properly with the proper English, but you know, throw in Ibonics and uh, <laughs> But um but I have um not always been a the speaker I am today. And I, I'm gonna speak that with, with boldness. Mm-hmm. Um that I do know that I have the craft has been developed.
0: Before you leave us, I would love you to tell everyone just one final time, if they want to get involved with y'all, learn more about what you do, make a financial donation if you are capable because they <laughs> are doing I the work. And also the Memphis
2: Institute because they, they helped <laughs> me a lot too.
0: So, like, But tell the people where they can find you guys.
2: Well, you can find us at 785 Jackson Avenue, or you can go to www.ncclife.org, ncclife.org. Um, and you can call me on my cell phone. Or well, text me first, though, 901, because <laughs> all of y'all called me in one time, I can't answer all that. But eight two six three three seven six is my personal cell phone. So if you text me— That's how
0: you know she's serious about this workout. She just handed out her personal phone number. Yeah,
2: you can text me. <clears throat> but don't be acting like I can answer all y'all calls in one time. And then say where you heard your, this number from. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: please say— Because I'm like, do y'all want
2: popcorn Is <laughs> <laughs> y'all trying to do- donate to the food pantry or what <laughs> So, yeah, so make sure I know why you're, why you're reaching Just out. Just leave
0: the text message with, meanwhile in Memphis, sent me. <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, Effie,
3: a delight to have you. Thank, thank you, you for taking the time to do this today. I, uh, as we've learned, you are a very busy
2: woman. So <laughs> we'll
3: hope to have you back on soon. And I thank you, you for pouring your work into the TED Talk as well.
2: Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I hope that I said something worthwhile. You said
0: more than
3: something <laughs>
2: worthwhile. You said a lot
0: of something. So it was so nice to meet you and nice have a great
2: day. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you, for you. <laughs>
0: As you heard it the episode with Effie I know we had to cut it a little short because again you heard what AT was saying at the top she is like ruining the day that I was born um Not, I'm, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far but. but I love to make things complicated so if you want to hear the rest of this episode you can tune in obviously WYXR, who hosts this platform has its own podcast network so wherever you listen to podcasts Apple Spotify all the things you can find it there
1: and Scroll back down. It yeah. is episode 38, which originally aired on June 29th, of 2021. The title was called Know Your Business and Love People. Yeah. um So I promise you do want to hear the rest of it. It is not our longest episode <laughs> For by no accident. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> so we did have to cut it a little bit short. And so I know you will want to log in and rehear everything. All and of we'll the be juicy sure to goodness. try and link it in
0: our social posts as well. So it would be absolutely And you know what? If you're not following us, that's all on you. Follow. Us at the new memphis and we'll see you next time
1: for our first guest yeah. of 2022 till next week bye
0: this week's episode was made possible by our friends at independent bank you can learn more about them at i bankonlinecom